it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and a very warm welcome to Stramash, the podcast of the NFL Scotland team. Fresh off our week two live event in Glasgow. We are ready to rock and roll and I shall do so in the company of Charles Patterson and Gordon McGuinness, both of whom were at the event in Glasgow where we had a special mystery guest. It was Iron Mike Carlson. I would like to thank you, Stephen, for inviting Iron Mike along. If you're at the event, I'm sure you had a great time. Brilliant to hear from Mike Carlson. If you weren't at the event, don't worry. We've got other details of other events to come up very soon indeed. But first of all, gentlemen, let's start with you, Gordon. Um, it was a bit like chicken licking for you last week. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. The Bengals are going to beat the Ravens. Didn't happen like that. No. Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton, my boss who pays my wages, Chris Collinsworth, your boys took one hell of a beating. 20 percent of the starters out heading into the game another two players that got hurt by halftime and mike mcdonald once again owned joe burrow i i I came out of that game i said this to cameron at the event which by the way was phenomenal the best thing we've done yet but i said to cameron i don't think i've been this hyped for a ravens regular season win in years because i didn't expect it at all and the offense looked great. Lamar Jackson with a proper wide receiver group looks phenomenal. At this team, I, like, I, and last week, to be clear, the sky, the sky falling chat was not the Ravens aren't going to be a good team. It was, I think they're going to lose this game. Winning that game on the road against a team that should have been really fired up, given where they were. Okay, caveat, Joe Burrow is not 100% right now. But with the injuries, I, I think they're a a serious force in the AFC now. Now, the Chiefs are still favourites, regardless of their early season struggles, but the Ravens are now firmly in that mix of Dolphins, Bills, and you still include the Bengals in there, I think, right now. Yeah, Charles, statistically, it's, what, 11% of teams who go into make the playoffs. Now, that's historically, but, of course, we've got the extra playoff spot as well, the seventh seed. So you would reckon that the Bengals will be all right in the end. Well, they started 0-2 last year and they finished as the number two seed. So there's absolutely nothing to stop them doing the same thing this year. I think the danger, though, is the fact that Joe Burrow is not fit. Yeah. Um, and as as much as it was a you know a great win for the Ravens, and by the way, for those who um, didn't see Gordon, he was pumped during the game as well when we were selling raffle tickets because we were <laughs> meant to be going down the bays to try and drum up some interest, and he kept stop- stopping to watch Red Zone because uh, Lomar was on the drive, which was quite funny. First, um, we took eight minutes off the clock on the yeah. drive. It was like 2019 all over again. Oh, God, you must it- have been creaming yourself honestly uh, it, was, it, I mean, it, it should be noted Charles that we gave Gordon a t-shirt from the the, the bag of swag uh, that we had a Baltimore Ravens t-shirt nice to see he's still got it on he's promised not to take it off until the Ravens lose it will, so it will be getting worn every Sunday until they lose with me wearing it <laughs> but I so am the, the Joe Burrow thing though is so where it's really interesting is he's definitely it's not, I refuse to believe anything around like Joe Burrow now, he's got paid and he's, you know, he's now all of a sudden going to struggle. Don't believe that at all. The injury is definitely going to play a part though. But he came into training camp. When he got injured, he was already wearing 
a sleeve on his calf. He got injured. He then came back. He started the season opener. He's clearly still not fully healed. He injured it again at the end of the Ravens um, game. There's chat that he might be good to play in Monday Night Football. If that isn't fully healed, then I think that's something that's going to keep bothering him for a while. And at that point, does there come a stage where the Bengals are like, do you know what? Let's get him an IR for four weeks. And then they're, they could put him an IR right now. He'd miss four weeks. And then they've got a bye week. So it'd be a five-week span before he comes back. You it then... Now might be the time to do it, actually. Because there's an argument because the, the schedule's not that bad. I mean, they're playing the Rams on Monday night. Then they've got the Titans, who are not going to. Both of those games probably look a lot harder than they did two weeks ago before the season began. Yeah. And then who have they got after that? They've got the Cardinals the week after that. So if you're going to do it, do it now and get him fit. Um, the question is if he wasn't fit at the start of August, when is he going to be fit? And look, it, it, you see it all the all the time with um, with guys who come into the season with injuries, you can never recover. You're never gonna. You're not gonna get fitter as the season goes on because the NFL's not like that. It just grinds you down. So they have to make a call on it. They either shut him down completely, or they just struggle through it, persevere, and then you get a situation that you had last year, which we saw. I saw it close in Green Bay, where Rogers was never fit from week two, and he was just plodging away, and he was making plays, but he just wasn't right. And he ended up with about four different injuries towards the end of the season. And if he had been fully fit, then the argument is that they would have been a better team. And you've seen it with key players in, in many different teams over the years. So I think they've got a major decision to make. And I think they've got a major problem now, Cincinnati, because Pittsburgh are better this year. The Browns, despite Don, Deshaun Watson being utterly honking, are, have got a much better defence. And as you said, Baltimore are better. Although I'm not convinced yet that they're in the the conversation yet for AFC Championship. I don't Jake, Browning, Jake Browning's the backup, guys. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, and he's awful. You know, the, the, there's no way you're going to put Burrow on IR unless you're going to trade for somebody else. You pick somebody else up from somewhere. You can't start I, with him for four you weeks. You trade for someone, though, and you, you don't have, you know, like, I think they could bring a, they could bring in Trevor Simeon. I don't think he's currently on the roster. He would be someone who they could because he was there before. Go get Carson Wentz. Yeah, it's not a good player. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, the AFC North right now, I think there's three tiers in the AFC North, and that's good team, good quarterback, Lamar and the Ravens, good team, injured quarterback, it's the Bengals, the Burrow, and good team, bad quarterbacks, and that's Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Hmm. Pittsburgh and Cleveland at, at the quarterback position right now probably bottom five in the NFL. Both Kenny Pickett and Deshaun Watson were horrible in Monday Night Football. The, 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 the difference between the, those two, though, is that you can see Pittsburgh winning games in different ways. And you could possibly see Pickett getting better, whereas at the moment there's no there's no obvious sign that Deshaun Watson's getting any better. I, we honestly, we might be like two weeks away from Dorian Thompson-Robinson because... Deshaun but they have Watson, to lean on him now because, of course, Nick Chubb's done for the season. Yeah. But Deshaun Watson has as many face mask penalties this season as he does touchdown passes. <laughs> and they're all they're, they're also one and one, so I don't think it's quite time to clang the alarm bells yet. But I I do get your point. Kareem Hunt's been brought in as well, so we'll see mm. what 
what happens there. Right, guys, some of the belters from this week. Reese says 49ers for gifting Colt Samuel Ibicum and DeForest Buckner. Ibicum was an absolute belter in the pass rush. Two great weeks for him. Uh, Phil Spears and Lauren Callaghan both went with VJ and Robinson. Um, week two of your NFL career, you post 172 total yards. On 23 touches, will he be Eric Dickerson's record? Um, they both are at that. Ian Brown, Chris Olave for the amazing catch, which kick-started the Saints late in the game and brightened up what was a slog of a game to watch. I'll second that. Both Saints games have been absolutely awful to watch. Brian Dando says, CJ Stroud, great performance from the rookie. Uh, Sarah Taylor said, DeAndre Swift. Kieran Vance, Ross Black said that as well. Career game against a pretty formidable Vikings defence all off the back of limited touches in week one. Daniel Jones says, Ross Taylor, as much as it pains me to nominate a giant, you can't argue with that performance. I'm highly suspicious. Just I'll pause there. Gordon, I'm highly suspicious of teams that can't play a whole game and just seem to turn up for a half. Everybody's given the Giants credit. I'm going to flip it the other way. You can't lose a lead like that. You just cannot. Not at home. It's awful. Have you you both seen The Incredibles? Yes. yes. And Incredibles 2. <laughs> my my favourite, my favorite, I've seen Incredibles 2 as well. It's not as good as the first one. Um, but the first one where Dash, he's the young boy, isn't he? And he's mm. sprinting, yep. and he's sprinting, sprinting, but he sprints and then he slows down just a little bit and sprints yes. and just slows down a little bit. That is the Arizona Cardinals and their track to the number one overall pick this year. It's, <laughs> it's, looking, it's looking convincing. So they have I built, don't know. They have, they have <laughs> built a roster. They have built a roster whereby the players are going to try really hard. They're not going to win very many games. They, so the players are not tanking. That roster says otherwise. I don't know. I think there's worse teams out there than the Cardinals at the moment. Well, let's have a look. So, Jason Hoffman says, Josh Allen, can there be any other given the overreaction to his poor game against the Jets? It was good watching them dominate the game. He was also at Highmark Stadium, Jason. We'll get his uh, rant in a moment or two. Lee Kirkwood and Chaz, Mark McEwen, Cameron Christie, all with Mika Parsons. Cameron Christie says, look, again, he says, just watching might be a weekly occurrence at this rate. This guy is a monster, says Chaz. Yeah, I mean, he's terrific to watch, although little small asterisk it was against the Jets. Andrew Neal says the New York Giants threw six quarters. They were 60-0 down. And they managed to find a way to win again. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, caveat, the, the caveat does have to be, like, it, they're playing the Cardinals. The favourite to be the number one overall pick. So let's just put a little caveat. It's got here. to be context in everything here. And Arizona could be historically bad. Puka Nakua gets uh, shout-outs from Kenny Long, Brian Milne. as a fifth-round pick, 25 catches for 266 yards. Most Benny rookie over two games. He's an absolute belter. The one I want to touch on quickly, uh, Stephen Bryson says, Sam Hill, the commanders are now 2-0 and and the decision to go with the second-year players looking like the right one. Almost 300 yards passe, a great comeback win against a good Broncos defence. Well, you say good Broncos defence. I say Broncos defence. I don't really see there's the word good in there. Um, what was the bigger story, Charles? Was it Sam Howell or was it Russell Wilson just disappearing after a good first half? No, I think give the credit where it's due. I think Sam Howell's been terrific. Um, I do, I, I've never believed in Russell Wilson in Denver, if I'm being honest with you, um, even with Sean Payton there. I, I just don't think it's going to work. 
um, because I think Russell Wilson's the problem there. And Denver are going to pay for that for quite some time until they don't have to pay him anymore. But Sam Hill came into the league as one of these guys who could potentially develop. Washington have been abysmal when it comes to picking quarterbacks ever since Kirk Cousins. And so why not give him a go? And why not chuck it down the field? They've never been attractive to watch for the last 10 years. They've not been anything other than a bit of a joke because of the stuff going on off the field. But they've got an amazing front four. They've got a a, a legitimate number one wide receiver. They've got two good running backs. And now they've got a quarterback who's not afraid to chuck it about. They're actually attractive to watch. And you can see them doing a bit of damage and you can see them potentially winning a wildcard spot with the NFC as it is. I was recommended a podcast by a Washington fan who's a friend of mine, and it was all about the previous ownership. And the highlight for me was that uh, the guy bought a whole pile of peanuts from an airline that had gone bust and tried to sell them at FedEx Field and got rumbled, uh, which is just quite incredible. For an NFL former now NFL owner worth billions. Uh, Bob May says, TJ Watt game-winning touchdown on defence, already the Steelers' all-time sack leader. Just before we talk, go to the team of the week, there's a couple of things I want to touch on, that, that, and it's, it is regarding Chicago. The defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, has resigned. He's stepped back to spend time with his family. There's all sorts of rumours uh, floating around, which we are not going to touch on this podcast. But we will talk about Justin Fields, who today, when asked what the issue was in Chicago, well, his first answer was coaching. Now, he's walked that back. It wasn't lost in translation, but he's walked it back. But I'm sorry, you're you're a smart guy. You don't throw your coaches under the bus unless you mean it. And I think let's put a bit of context into this. Justin Fields is in his third year. Fair enough. He's been dealt with a bit of a duff hand by the organization the first two years. But the hype in the offseason around the fact that they'd made progress you know they, they've obviously brought in a couple of high-profile wide receivers in the last year or so, in Claypool um, and DJ Moore, neither of whom have thus far paid dividends. But here's here's a couple of stats for you. Someone might have seen this out there in social media land. He has started 27 games in the NFL. He has been sacked 101 times in 27 games, and he's thrown 26 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. But he has also fumbled 31 times. In those, in those twenty-seven games, that's an unsustainable rate for a quarterback to have a shelf life in the NFL. He is not capable of looking after the ball or looking after himself, and eventually, he's going to pay for it. The second part of that, not looking after himself, is the key part. You mm. cannot you, and this is a mistake that I think a lot of people make in the NFL: is you look at sack numbers and you immediately blame the offensive line. The offensive line are responsible a lot of the time for giving up pressure. The The responsibility to not be sacked is really far more on the quarterback than people often talk about. You have it within your ability to get rid of the ball, unless it's a pressure that comes within two seconds. If you are a quarterback in the NFL, you have to get rid of the ball. And when you watch the Bears this year, and coaching very possibly does play a part in this. I saw a video, and I don't know... I don't know that it was the exactly correct, but they basically implied that the Bears ran the same screen three plays in a row. One mm. of which, one of which I think got waved off for a flag. They ran the same screen three plays in a row. So I think there is an offensive coaching issue around Fields, but you watch him play, 
and when it's just a quick decision to throw something, he actually doesn't look bad at all. The moment it goes beyond that first read and you start asking him to wait a little bit and find the next open man, it just looks like he panics. And it looks like the game hasn't slowed down from enough yet. Three years into his career, it's very fair to wonder if it ever slows down enough for him. And for, for some good college quarterbacks, the game will just never slow down enough for you. Yeah, it's in, it's there's quite a lot of pieces doing going out there doing the rounds in uh, the NFC North uh, Twitter sphere and um, written media because there's a lot of comparisons between Fields and Jordan Love, and I don't want to dwell too much on Jordan Love, who by the way has thrown six touchdowns and no interceptions so far and leads the and leads the league in quarterback rating and who threw four straight incompletions with the game on the line against. Yes, it did. But anyway, um, the bigger picture is that when you look at the way in which the Packers have set Love up after three years sitting on the bench. He's in a system that fits him. He's in a system that he understands and knows. Just Jordan uh, Jordan Love is in a comfortable scenario because it's been created for him. Justin Fields does not appear to be in anything other than a chaotic scenario. And that is the fault of the, the Bears and their coaching setup and their vision. They've not built a team to suit his skill set. I mean, he ran for a thousand yards last year. I think he's run for less than 30 yards in two games. What's going on there? There's no there's no plan, there's no structure. So they deserve everything they've got if that's the coaching. Yeah, it's interesting. I watched Bryce Young obviously making his home start for the first time and he was under pressure a lot by the Saints, but I thought actually two or three times he threw the ball away quite sensibly. Um, so it's it's an interesting dynamic. Gent, let's get to the, the, the team of the week. Uh, we talked about quarterback position. Gordon has probably just put a skewer through the heart of Jordan Love. Chances of being our top quarterback of the week uh, with those four incompletions towards the end. Um, we can count out one or two two quarterbacks, Gordon, but uh, which, which would earn your praise? I... I'm going to be an absolute homer here, and I think it's Lamar. Threw the ball really well downfield against a very, very good defense and a very good offensive coordinator. The the two Aww. throws that stand out, the, the 52-yard throw to Zay Flowers, the, what would be the game-winning touchdown to Nelson Aguilar, beautiful 20-plus yard throws. Ran for, ran for 70 yards, Officially fifty-four. There were a couple of holding calls that were ticky tacky. I think I think they were probably fair, but they were right on the borderline. Ran the ball really well. I, I, in a game that was so important with a lot of players out, I thought he was tremendous. And I don't I don't care that I'm being a homer. Yeah. Charles, is there is there an answer to this? Um I, I want to give the credit to somebody who is going to provide entertainment for the rest of the season, win, lose, or draw. And I think you give it to the comeback kid, Sam Hill, because he's not going to get much notification in, in wider circles. And that's a comeback. They're 2 0 for the first time in 10, 12 years. Mm, I think they're 1 0 and they played the Arizona Cardinals in the other game. That's yeah. The, uh, caveats, caveats everywhere. Let me cover those. So, I know this and, is the. Well, did you not see the thing after the, the Thursday night football game to open the season? And uh, I don't know if someone suggested there was a, an asterisk next to the Lions win over the Chiefs and it came this big thing. Like, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that it's a caveat because the Cardinals are still an NFL team. I'm just. Yeah. yeah. You can only beat what's in front of you. And I, I think Lamar's done all right. 
all things considered. So, but I'm I th- choosing, I think choosing, out, agreeing to disagree. I think you're out of your mind if you think Sam Howell played better than Lamar Jackson on Sunday. But fair enough. Well, gents, we've actually got to we've we've got to pick one of the two of them. Um, I'll I'll give you that one. I'll give you that. Right. One. We'll we'll go with Lamar. Uh, when we talk running back, we've obviously got to acknowledge the the injury to Chubb of Cleveland and and such a horrible injury that the television decided not to to replay it. Although I did see one twat, and I can't remember the guy's name, saying, no, 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 you've got the right, you've got to show these things again. If somebody who's involved in the industry and watch directors, you don't show something that's so distressing again. That's just, it's grotesque and it's uh, worse it unfortunately, to suggest it. It unfortunately did the rounds in group chats the following day. So it's one of those things that I tried to avoid but couldn't avoid. Yep. And if you if you haven't seen it, don't go and look it up. If you have seen it and if you remember the injury that he suffered in college, it's basically the exact same thing. It's horrific. Um, and some of the some of the reports that came out afterwards, as is often the case when there is a knee injury that is multiple ligaments and like a dislocation and stuff like that the immediate concern they actually worry about is like blood flow and trying to avoid amputation and stuff like that. So it's good. It's another one of these situations whereby the fact that the NFL does have the medical teams on hand that they do um, is something that is probably key in these situations. Yeah, it was Ross Taylor's rant that gutted for for Chubb. Um, and I think Mark McEwen as well, injuries, just a, an awful lot of injuries. Andrew Neal said the same. It's, when the word gruesome is being used, you know mm. exactly where it is, and uh, we send our best wishes to Nick Chubb. In terms of, from the on-the-field positive stuff, who who should we consider for our team of the week at running back? I think it's probably DeAndre Swift. Maybe the only other... Is is Bijan Robinson already the best running back in the NFL? Like, I know that sounds like a like a gross overreaction, but see when have you have you guys seen the the shortened video? Yes, the, the video from Atlanta. Yes, the above the above the above video. Yes, it made uh, Green Bay tackling look um, schoolboy. Yes, but, but I don't. But I don't think but it's, it's honestly don't think it's their fault. Like I don't think there's a a running back in the NFL that moves the way he does. Yes, he hasn't been hit yet though. That'll, they'll knock that out of him pretty how, quickly. How are they, they going to hit him? Well, within like six, he's standing still and then all of a sudden he's past you. Listen, um, it's a bit like somebody doing stepovers in football and then there'll be the guy out there, the clogger, who'll take him out in a dirty game in November and he'll never quite run the same. <laughs> and the beauty of the first six, seven weeks of his, his career will be remembered forevermore, but he'll have a permanent limp. So just watch out, Bijan. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Can I just say, I mean, and and I'm and I mean this with love, Gordon. You are the last person in the world that would buy a ticket for the hype train for any player. You're far too sensible for that. So to say after two weeks he might be the run, best running back in the NFL is actually quite a statement, and I think it does show the impact that he's already had on the NFL. He's becoming must see TV. And yes. that's not easy for somebody I, after two weeks. Do you, that is quite a funny thing, though, right? Like Atlanta, if you think about the most exciting teams in the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons are not the team that are anywhere near the top of that list for a lot of people. Oh. But yep. Kyle Pitts, tremendous athlete at tight end who is just not being used anywhere close to enough. Drake London, I think, is a really good wide receiver. Bijan Robinson, 
phenomenal running back. And then you've got Desmond Ritter, who, to his credit, like was a big part of the running game in the comeback. But yeah. he's he's Desmond Ritter. He's about as exciting as vanilla ice cream. <laughs> so, there's only one man there in uh, Atlanta that's going to bring the crowds in. Yeah, I mean, Desmond Ritter's an interesting one, and whether he's actually going to be good enough to to quarterback that team, the talent they've got will be very interesting to see. We went with Lamar Jackson um, at quarterback, so I'll give you, Charles, the, the decider hmm. on the running back. Is it, is it DeAndre Swift for uh, I think uh, it's a difficult one. Do you give it to the ex-Lion or do you give it to the guy who ripped Green Bay's to shreds? Um, I, I think I'm I'm going to probably give it to B. John Robinson, if only for the fact that he's going to do to, to what he did to the Green Bay defence. He's going to do it to a lot of other defences until, as I said, somebody sneak, sneakily does him from behind. It's going to happen. There's going to be a DC out there who's going to set up their game plan to knock him out of the game and it's going to be dirty and it's going to be it's going to go down badly in media circles and it's going to be controversial but I'm I'm the eternal cynic it's going to happen I think it potentially could be a Saints defence game well they've got <laughs> they've, they've got they've got previous on that so we, we, we'll look it, after it. It. we're start we're starting the Saints Packers chat a little early I like it <laughs> uh, I know I'm, I'm all for that uh, Pugin Akua not since 1980 has a wide receiver had as many targets as a rookie in his first two weeks so I'm pretty much presuming we've got to slot him into yes team of the week now that was Errol Cooper back in 1980, who had 19. Uh, Puka's got 25. Uh, imagine how um, imagine how good they're going to be when Cooper Cup's fit. There's going to be a plethora of options there because um, Matthew Stafford started very, very well. And I think you mentioned last week, Gordon, everyone's been surprised at how fit he looks, at how um, just back in sync he is. And so if Nakua is the real deal, then they've got two legitimate top targets there. It's a shame they don't have a running game, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, Ky- Kyron Williams didn't look terrible. Okay, so wide receivers, if we go with Puka being one, who would line up with them in our team of the week? Who else caught your eye? Nico Collins, perhaps? Yep. And there's going to be very few opportunities that a Texans player gets a chance to make. Yes, so let's get him in there. So I think that would be absolutely fair. And then your third option, we do three, right? Mm. Yep. It, we'll go with three. I don't. I don't know what Cameron normally. Do you want a two tight end? No, I, th- I think we normally. No. Yeah, we normally do three and one yes. tight end. Uh, I would go Mike Evans or Justin Jefferson, probably Evans. Yeah, got a credit to Tampa Bay. That is it. The Mayfield, <laughs> the Mayfield redemption story is incredible this year. Do you think that's that's real or is this just a? I think it might be a it might be a September just a couple phase. Of weeks. Do you not remember yeah. when uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was ripping it up for Tampa Bay about four or five years ago in September, and then he he did a press conference and showed everyone his chest, and then they lost seven was, games in a row. That was phenomenal. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I do think it, the receiving talent plays a role, and it's the mm. best pair of receivers that Baker has had in his career. So, Jalen Hyatt of the Giants worth a shout in here. It was what was it like two catches? It was for a good chunk of yards, but yeah, it was. It, it was they were important catches. I think is 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 possibly what I'm trying to, to yeah. indicate. But 
you know, and it, so it's, it's just worth a mention from from that perspective. Although again, it comes with the asterisks. I think we're just going to have to print. You, 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 What's yeah. against the Cardinals hashtag? I think could you, you mentioned Jefferson, and Jefferson is, I mean, for first two weeks of the season, his stats are off the chart. I mean, it's what, what has he done for first two weeks of the season? Uh, I'm going to look this up right live on air. Here we go. Um, 150 yards and 159. It's 309 yards in two weeks. So if he continues like that, he's going to be about two and a half thousand. But they're 0 and 2. So it doesn't matter how good he's playing. They're not good enough all round. So who, who do you. going to push his yardage total up over the year, though. Yeah. They're going to be chasing games. They're going to be chasing games. I would go. So I would go Collins, Nakua, and Evans. Collins. And Mike Evans. Just while we're touching on wide receivers, Hunter Renfro was one of the wide receivers that Scott Cooper talked about at our event as being somebody he loves to watch. He's barely been targeted by by the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, now I know they've got Devontae Adam, DeAndre Carter. I, I'm just a little bit surprised he's not been more involved in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, the interesting thing was, and I've I've actually not looked up how Jaco- I know Jacoby Myers missed this past week, but in week one, Jacoby Myers had two touchdowns. I, I've not looked up yet whether or not they used him primarily as a slot receiver, but that was the chat, was that he was going to be a slot receiver, at which point that takes away from Hunter Renfro, because Hunter Renfro is not an outside wide receiver. If he's going to have any success... It is in the slot. And I, I think all of Scott's points about him, like the type of player he is, he he is a smart route runner from the slot. So mm. he can, you know, he can do some damage there. But I think that's it. The players around him mean that his chances are going to be limited for him. Yeah, it's just an interesting one. Okay, tight end before we go with an offensive line. Tight end. I have an, well, it's, it's not off the wall because he's a big name. But if you look at the yardage this week, he ranked 25th among tight ends and only had 30 yards. But second week in a row, I don't think any tight end was really dominant as a receiver. I think Hawkinson was pretty good. Waller was pretty good. Waller was good, actually. Laporta was pretty good for Detroit. George Kittle was phenomenal as a blocker for the 49ers in that game. And in that system as well, he's... With the players they have, he's going to have a couple of games this season where he gets 10-plus targets. He's going to have a lot of weeks whereby he gets three to five targets, and they ask him to be a really good blocker. And it's what he's done since his days at Iowa, but that this was a, a phenomenal game from him as a blocker. Interesting one, that's for sure. You happy with that, Charles? Um, Yeah, fine. Sorry, I'll Waller give you played a... well, but... You know, well, well, again, yeah, it's the Cardinals, so it doesn't really count. But <laughs> we do have Cardinal fans who listen. We do. We do. I don't know. We. I don't have a problem with offending them. They're not yeah, very good. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. Uh, <laughs> let's have a look. Offensive line. I mean, I, I watched the Saints against uh, the Panthers, so we can take those two out. <laughs> the, the problem with offensive lines is again is the context of what kind of defence are you going up against and actually as much as you, you could say Atlanta's was terrific um, the Green Bay run defence stinks and has done for about five years 
Um, Philadelphia on Thursday. That's yeah. They just that, snowballed over people, didn't they? Yeah, that might be the best performance you see from a, a pair of offensive tackles this year. Okay, I'm happy to pop that in there with the Philadelphia Eagles. Our team of the week: Lamar, Bijan Robinson, Nico Collins, Puka Nakua, Mike Evans, George Kittle, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's have a look at some of the. Don't think we've got time for them all, but we do have some times for the rants. Um, Lauren Callahan says, no rants, but props to the Smash Boys and the staff at Top Bluff, Glasgow. Uh, having Scott Cooper there was a coup enough, but when he did the big Scooby-Doo reveal of Aaron Mike Carson, there were actually gasps in the audience. There were. We were there. Uh, Kieran Van said, what were the Cardinals thinking? That's two weeks in a row. They've nearly ruined the tanking job. That's his rant. Um, Jason Hoffman, beer prices in Highmark Stadium. I know the NFL is out to leech every single dollar for the fans, but $17 for a can of piss? Come on. And even worse, you can't even take a half-empty can back out of the stadium. Just a ripple. Absolutely. Uh, Andrew Neal, we talked about, I mentioned it, injuries. People's reactions with the cheering when our opponent player goes down and complaining about fantasy points. Absolutely. If you're concerned about your fantasy points when a player goes down, that's not good enough. Uh, Kenny Law says, Joe Berry must be the worst defensive coordinator in the game. A dog with a bucket on its head could drop better plays than that absolute fraud. Get him in the bin. <laughs> any any rants, guys? Bob May says, fire Canada. Um... <laughs> not, not, not the country, I'm going to guess. That's <laughs> uh, who, who, yes. Frankly... Frankly, I think should get a lifetime contract for the job he's doing in Pittsburgh. I, <laughs> just to just to go back because we should talk probably a little bit about the the top golf thing and massive props to Ian for getting Mike Carlson. I like I was pretty geeked out about the fact that Mike Carlson was there because that's like I remember being fourteen, fifteen years old watching games on Channel Five and Mike Carlson being there. Um, so I I actually had some friends in a group chat I'm in who were at the event, who messaged me uh, at the break to say, uh, Gordon, we're at the event for the podcast you're on. At what point do you turn up? Because I'd only said, I think, one or two things at that point. Oofed. To be fair, Oofed. as soon as Mike Carlson was there, I was quite happy to just listen. I, I'd, It was great. Like when, we, when everything settled down and we were able to go and sit down um, like with Mike, and you know, we were playing golf. I think he had a couple of swings. It was just great just to just to have a chat with him, like just during games, just get like little bits of information about him, about various things that he thinks, and it was great. So I I think Ian Ian who has done a good job with you know the Hollis Thomas event was really good fun for something like completely different. Uh, I think he did a tremendous job here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I genuinely have an issue with television in this country not using Mike Carlson more. He's still as sharp as ever. I mean, you could see that from just sitting watching the games. He was quick to call penalties, quick to call out various bits and pieces. Uh, yeah, it really was tremendous to but have apart him. From, apart from the one moment where he uh, got a little mixed up with the 49ers <laughs> when we were yeah. talking about Chiefs, Chiefs Jaguars. But I think you can forgive him that because he'd been rushed. He was jet lagged. He'd been rushed off a plane, had put a mask put on him and then ripped off him and they just asked him. He was probably wondering off. whether or not he was actually going to get back to the United States alive when the mask was on his face. <laughs> it was probably, yeah, it would have been slightly disturbing, I, I think. I think I think we nimbly got, got past that. So that would, yeah, that I think he has, he's based here as well. So I don't think he would have been yes. jet lagged. I think he's flying up from down south. 
Uh, I think he did stay near Hamilton, so he might be jet lagged. You can never tell. <laughs> if he stayed near Hamilton, tell. did he actually get home? <laughs> yeah, we have heard him on a podcast this week, so he is there <laughs> safely. Uh, right, let's have a little look at some of the games coming up. Uh, Thursday night football, which I still hate. The Giants take on San Francisco. Then oh. the slate, some of the Sunday games. Uh, in to Baltimore. When it's, when it's Sunday, let's just talk about the one PM games, please. Oh no 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 no! We're 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 going to call prime time. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Colts in Baltimore looks pretty interesting. Baltimore two zero team. Tennessee at Cleveland. That's an interesting one for both Atlanta, Detroit. Detroit need to bounce back. Atlanta could that's go a good game. three. And that I think that's a good game. It's a good game. Uh, York, the death game York, though. The death games in Minnesota. Isn't it? Let's be honest. Chargers, yeah, Vikings. Yeah, well, I, I'm getting there. Uh, New Orleans take on Green Bay, the unbeaten and Saints. Who... And let's pause right there. <laughs> Come now, on. The Saints haven't conceded more than 20 but points bur- in burgers, any of the last 10 where, games. Burgers where mouths are. Are we putting oh. a burger bet on in this game between the two of you? Come on. Yeah. What, what, what are we? What just winner takes all, or yeah, are, we, are I, we talking I, about? Um, you've got to offer, got to offer me points because the Saints are on the road. Well, what's the what are the odds at the moment? Saints are on the road. Yeah. Mm. Well, Jordan loves home debut. So there's your other storyline in this. I um. So the. When you look at when you look at when you look at when you look at the issues that Green Bay have got on offense with Aaron Jones out, David Bakhtiari possibly out, Christian Watson out, three best players on offense. That's yeah. a problem. That is a yeah, problem. Yeah, the Packers are one point five point favorite over the Saints in Week Three. Green Bay that's, is minus one two five on the money line. That's yeah. ugly. That's one a Cameron Cameron right now editing this is just like smashing his head against the <laughs> If if I was a betting man and I'm not This, this is a I, private conversation between Charles and I. It's yes. The, the the two people who bet the most on this podcast. Um <laughs> I would have to say that the Saints going to this is favourites. And there's no reason to doubt that because they're two and oh. Well they've I mean, got, they've got a good defence. The only reason why you doubt that is because officially they don't go into the game as favourites. <laughs> yeah, but who who believes the desert? Nobody. So, so if you spot me three points, I'll go. I'll 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 no I'll put no a bet on no, no you should be allowed to because three points means we can get a push, and I'm not watching you share a burger. That's boring. <laughs> <laughs> two points, Charles. Uh, two and a half. <laughs> Yeah, yes, always two. generous. Right. A two, two point conversion. Two point conversion. Yeah, l- let's not talk about two point conversions with Denver on the scale, having gone with that wonderful Hail Mary and then they can't convert the two points. Oh, God. Which was I, something else. I, I'll be honest, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if New Orleans won that game because they are, I think, on paper ahead of Green Bay just now. I talked to this about this at the start of the season. New Orleans could win 12 or 13 games this year because they're schedule is bang average this this Saints team look destined to get to the divisional round of the playoffs and then lose to Dallas Philadelphia or San Francisco Take they're like they're they are essentially the 2023 version of last year's Minnesota Vikings they're, yeah I mean they're, they're lukewarm <laughs> they're getting better uh, Houston but, Jacksonville... but it could be worse it could be worse you could have Jameis so there you well, go 
We don't, thankfully. <laughs> uh, Denver, Denver go to Miami. That's an interesting game as well from a Denver perspective. Uh, the Chargers at Minnesota. The Chargers, the first team, I think, to score more than 50 points in their opening two games and lose them both. Uh, New England at the Jets. Well, previously that was interesting. Ugh. It's less so. Buffalo at Washington. Washington yet to taste defeat. I love season. that game. I absolutely love that game. That's just going to be chaos all over it, the place. The 6 p.m. for us, time-wise, slate is phenomenal this week. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of really good... Even even New England against the Jets, I think, is really interesting because if the Jets do want to make the playoffs with Zach Wilson at quarterback, this is a game you have to win. But, I mean, that should be really low-scoring because yeah. Zach Wilson's going to struggle to move the ball against them. I, The Chargers-Vikings is almost definitely the most exciting on paper 0-2 versus 0-2 game that has ever happened. <laughs> the, the amount of peril in this game. You, yeah. you lose it, you're, you're probably you're, done. You're nearly dead, yeah. I, yeah think, it's, it's, I think if you're the Chargers, you have a ch- you, you have no chance. If you're Minnesota and you lose it, you still have half a chance. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I don't, I don't think they can afford to lose twice at home. To be perfectly honest, I think this is this is on Minnesota. Uh, let's get to the Sunday night games that, that Gordon is so looking forward to. Carolina at Seattle is a nine oh five, but the national window is a Fox window. It throws wide open to Dallas at Arizona or Chicago at Kansas. Oh, no guys, do any, any of those three games finish within fourteen points? I think Panthers Seahawks. Possibly, Bryce could be co- as well. Co- so is, well, uh, forget it then. Who's? I don't even know who the backup is there anymore. It's not PJ Walker. Andy uh, Dalton. Uh, Dalton. It, yeah. oh, if, if it's Dalton, then if it's Dalton, close. it could be all right. Yeah, but I mean, the, the thing about the the Chiefs Bears game is a weird one because why have the Chiefs been poor so far? Is it because they played two defenses that have played above themselves, or is it because they're stuck in a bit of a rut? I think it's difficult to know. I think we'll have a better idea come um, midnight. If if they fail to score less than 30 points against the Bears, you can officially say the Chiefs have got some issues on offense. I, I'm with you, Gordon. It wouldn't surprise me if all three of these games finished 20-plus points, you know, as the, as the winning margin. Um, I just I don't see any of them being particularly close. Uh, Carolina's defense looked not too bad at times, but no, I'm not I'm not convinced. Will we get anything better on Sunday night? Pittsburgh go to Vegas, and then we have this mm. rather bizarre double Monday night. Uh, the two and all Philadelphia Eagles at uh, the MVP Baker Mayfield, Tampa Bay Bucks at two and all, or would you rather watch the LA Rams at one and one? go to the Cincinnati Bengals who are 0-2 and perhaps that extra 24 hours rest helps helps that injured quarterback. It's a pair of good games. Mm, very good the, games. The the Rams-Bengals is really interesting because the Bengals are in a spot whereby you really you think they have to win that. Especially especially if the Ravens beat the Colts earlier in the day. You could be staring at a, a three games back of the division three, three weeks into the season. And you would have circled this as a as a pretty comfortable win coming in, but you're going against a Rams team that have been way more feisty than we thought we would, they would be, especially without Cooper Cup, and potentially you could either be without Joe Burrow, or if you have him, you're pretty worried that he can't last the full game with this injury. Super Bowl rematch. 
from 18 months ago as well. Now I like the just remain the same. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I think, well, this is the problem, and I like the other one because actually, the Buccaneers, for all that we take the piss out of Baker, um, the Buccaneers' defense is still half decent. Mm-hmm. So I wonder whether or not they're gonna they're gonna cause the Eagles any issues there. Um, I doubt it, but there's always a chance down in uh, in Tampa. It's a weird place to play games as well. It's a funny stadium. I think uh, Rogers has talked about how all the years he's gone down there, it's one of the most awkward places to play just because of the way the stadium is. So I've, and the, I've always thought it's a weirdly cool stadium for night games too because like... Yeah, just the, pe- the pirate ship. The pirate ship at night. <laughs> During the day, the pirate ship's a bit childish, right? We can all agree on that. It's a bit Disney World. You see it at night though and it's a bit Pirates of the Caribbean like there's yeah. there's some ghosts floating about there ready to, ready to send the field right, <laughs> to the right or left. I, I have done the stadium tour and the pirate ship was closed for refurbishment. So <laughs> we, we weren't allowed aboard the Jolly Roger. Um, they have, they've they done a lot of refurbishment work of the, the dressing rooms and stuff like that in that stadium. So uh, it'll be interesting. It's, to see it's interesting there's how how many games there are that are that look on paper to be one-sided this week and the, the fact that there's three of them in the, in the later slate. But you're going to see a few teams this week it's almost winter bust, and they have to they have to do something now. And you'll see, and you could see a few teams begin to collapse if they don't win. I mean, there's some teams that are already on the spiral already. But and for all we're knocking it, that Dallas Arizona game will will probably land arguably the biggest audience. Uh, it, they they just draw. I mean, that really is the fact that they just. They just draw. The Cowboys haven't allowed their opponents to take a second half snap inside the team's 40-yard line, uh, which I think they're the only team ever to do that through the first two weeks of the season. That could go to three quite easily Mm. in this one. Um, So that will be interesting. Thanks to Scott Garner for sharing that with me. Gentlemen, we're almost out of time. Anything else in the NFL caught your eye? Charles, anything else? No, not nothing major. I would I'd just like to point out the um we talked about the event. It was a brilliant opportunity to get through and see a, a little bit of a different crowd through in the West. We've had obviously great events here in, in Edinburgh. Uh, I say this as an Edinburgh boy. Um and it was just wonderful to be through in Glasgow and uh, see some horrific golf swings. So I hope we go back there again and hopefully everyone improves on their golf by this time next year. <laughs> Well, I won last time and I won a couple of games this time, so that's why I just casually throwing that in there. I think move of the night, I mean swing of the night, and it was that right-handed pick-off move that Gordon had to get into Cameron's teeter tots while he was golfing and help himself to a couple. Uh, that, that was sheer class. Encouraged by me, it should be said. I'm a little bit disappointed that I have yet to receive a thank you message from anyone at that event because I hyped up those teeter tots. And I saw mm. loads of people having them, and I had them that night as well. And I know that everyone who had them enjoyed them because they were phenomenal. The and, only only piece of news that I thought was interesting is not NFL related. It's that the XFL and USFL might be on the verge of a merger. That would be delightful because that might make us get a watchable spring league as opposed to two that weren't. If we're totally honest. So the USXFL or the XUSFL. There's got to be something that will come out of it from there. Now, it's a fair point. I think they're saying that teams who are, are 
you know, got stadium or access to stadium will get preference in this one. So, yeah, I I think there's a market. I think we mentioned this with, with Iron Mike on Sunday. There's a market for spring football. There's a need for spring football. And it'd just be great if they were able to get it right somewhere along the way. Well, that is it. The The, the challenge flag has been thrown uh, and we've decided that we are getting bombed out of here on this episode of Smash, the podcast of the NFL Scotland team. Enjoy your week three football. Hopefully your team will find a win somewhere along the line. Yes, even you, Arizona Cardinals fans. If you beat Dallas this week, you can live off that for a while. But for Charles Patterson, Gordon McGuinness, and myself, Paul Mitchell, and the rest of the team, thanks for listening. Bye for now.